Welcome to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. Whether you're listening live on the Community Radio Network or via podcast, here's the show where you learn from experts, be inspired by journeys, and discover more about making your small business a success. I'm Alexi Boyd, broadcaster, advocate, and small business owner. Let's meet today's guest. So it's pretty difficult these days to run a small business and be free of the conflict experience. From managing staff to negotiating with suppliers and clients, it's bound to happen at some point. And then there's the serious conflict scenarios, such as between business partners or family members, which, when you add a personal life into the mix, can be very destructive. Because we ourselves are human, who are dealing with humans, we can come across conflict pretty regularly in our everyday business dealings. So if the human aspect of running a small business can't be removed and the threat of conflict is ever present, what can we do as a small business owner to mitigate the risk? And when is the best time to seek help when it threatens to overwhelm you and everything that you've worked for? As always, it's best to get support before your business is threatened. So here today with us is Tulsi van der Graaf, conflict expert with Brave People Solutions, to take us through some strategies and help us understand what conflict resolution looks like and how they can help. Welcome to the show, Tulsi. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to have you in the studio, my very first guest. Very excited in our brand new studios. I'm very excited as well. I feel special, so that's good. Thank you. So um, let's talk a little bit about the difference between working with corporates and small business. Your experience is in both worlds, but I suspect with that human element being part of both of those worlds, things aren't all that different, or have I got it wrong? I think there are very much common themes around uh, being human, as you described. Uh, Yeah, so wherever you have people, you have challenges and you can communicate better or worse and that can uh, really lead to either better or worse outcomes. The one thing I love about working with small businesses is that in some ways there's uh, more opportunity to impact quickly because you have a smaller number of people to work with and often less bureaucracy yeah or less processes uh, and people that have to sort of be be consulted and uh, and work with so sometimes when I've worked with small businesses it's been really exciting because we can achieve really quick change and people are happier uh, much uh, much sooner. And it's I like you that. don't have to unpack the layers. It's There's no, oh, we have to talk to management because they're dealing with that aspect and this aspect. Everyone in a small business deals with every aspect. Yeah, and I think so. An example uh, is one small business I worked with recently. Uh, the, own, the, the owner had uh, about eight staff and he recognised that his communication was not the best and his staff were unhappy. He was seeing signs. And so he said, come in, help me sort this out. And because he was so willing and ready to look at what he was contributing to the challenges through a a number of steps, uh, everything changed. And it was, in fact, it took two weeks and things were really uh, so much better. Talk to me about that recognition factor because, you know, you just mentioned someone there who realised something was happening that was going wrong. What I mean, that's pretty awesome. You'd be happy to work with someone like that because they're willing to change. Um, what, where does that recognition factor come in? When people approach you, uh, what, what sort of things have they noticed? Like, what are the triggers? Yeah, so I, I think that is really the key is being aware and being willing 
And uh, without that, we will often we'll say to people, if you don't have everyone on board in some way, we really have to look at whether we can even do the work with you. But it's, it's recognising uh, things, the unsaid stuff, so people are not talking to each other, people are not contributing in meetings, there's some snappiness, people are uh, irritated, less productive. Uh, there's a whole range of signs and sometimes I'll hear, say, uh, owners or leaders will say, oh, this person hasn't been performing or their behaviour is really bad. But in fact, that's actually a reaction to a much more significant problem that hasn't been addressed or identified. And so is it your role to kind of unpack what that problem is, get to the bottom of it and then fix it? Because it's, I'm quite interested by the fact that you said everyone's got to be on board, but I can't imagine the toxic elements, the people who are the real causes of the problem, they're not going to be on board, surely? Well, it's interesting because often people who we might call, in inverted commas, toxic or challenging, they often don't want it to be like this either and don't necessarily recognise their contribution to mm. the problem. Mm. Uh, and what, what we really sort of emphasise is that if people can at least come with some willingness, I mean, I think what you say is, is exactly right. Not everyone uh, can be sort of on board 100%. And, and that the self-awareness factor is, is a challenge for people. So people have been doing the same thing again and again for years. And it can be very hard to shift those parts. But what, what we find is, for some reason, the power of having an independent person come into a business mm. and speak to each person individually is incredible. It's that first stage. So generally what we do at a first stage of uh, working with a business is speak to each person, as long as it's not, I mean, a huge company, obviously, if there are hundreds of people, we can't do that. But say in a small business, we would speak to each person and find out their thoughts and feelings around what the situation is. And what that uh, reveals is often very illuminating and gives us a real sense of where the challenges are. And it's often layered and different and different people's perceptions sort of cover over others. And it's, it's very interesting to sort of be part of that process, but it's also a very healing one for many people just to be heard and express how they feel. And that's that's where we begin. Yeah, and that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because it's almost like you're unpacking the layers to find out where all the conflict lies so that you can start to repair those little things. It's like opening the bonnet of a car and then looking, OK, which bits are broken, which do I have to pull out and which bits can stay there but I just have to repair. <laughs> and some, it, it, is, uh, it can be a little bit like that. It can also be like uh, pulling open a, a Band-Aid with a festering wound. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> depending on how bad it is. Yeah, and the, the other thing that's really important, and we really emphasise this, is that when you start uncovering the challenges, sometimes people can almost feel like, oh, this has made it worse. But what it's done is it's brought to the fore all the underlying challenges, unsaid issues that might have been there for even 10 years. It's, in some cases, we've worked with organisations where something really challenging has been happening for 17 years. So that's a whole 
issue and it has to be dealt with, but people also have to be prepared to see the challenge and experience that before it starts getting better. Almost like you have to take out the poison and the germs out of a wound and clean it out. And sometimes that can hurt more Mm. before you create the healing. Mm. A lot of layers to unpack in those sort of situations. So before you arrive um, and the, the, the business owner, for example, has engaged with you because they recognise through this awesome recognition, obviously that guy you were talking about at the beginning of the program has great EQ. Uh, so they've realised that there's something wrong. They bring you in to see them. But before you meet with everyone, how does the business owner prepare everybody in the organisation for this, what's about to happen? What, what's, what would you suggest to a business owner if they're thinking about doing this to bring people on board? Well, generally what happens is a business owner identifies that there is people aren't talking, there's conflict, things are not the same as they used to be mm. or that's often the case and, there's, and it's been a build-up. So generally what we would do is we'd speak to that business owner and we come up with an appropriate strategy around communication. And it's ideally it's recognising we are experiencing challenge as a business right now. There is definitely some conflict or concerns that are impacting the way we are all communicating and I want to do something different as the leader, as the business owner and I know that I need help. Oh, that's a great way of saying it, isn't it? Mm. Here's the problem, not here's the person who's the problem or here's the incident, but actually saying we're experiencing challenges. I'm seeing it. I'm sure you're all seeing it too. Let's fix this. I think there's something wrong. I, I want to fix it. Come on board with me. I think that language is really important because if the business owner themselves has a, an element of negativity about this process, then setting it up, it's, it's doomed for failure, is it not? Have you ever had that situation where you've had a business owner come and go, well, we're doing this, I don't actually care, I'd quite happily get rid of all of you and we're going to do this just to give it a whirl. I mean, have you ever had that sort of negativity come from the owner themselves? Uh, look, I've, I have seen, unfortunately, different times that leaders or business owners will say that they want to improve things, mm. but they are showing in their actions that they're not prepared to do it. And sometimes that can actually make things worse because people become hopeful and they see that there is a possibility, but the leader or the owner is not doing what they're saying that they're going to do. And so it leads to a real feeling of being disheartened and challenged, and we don't want that. So that's where there really has to be that commitment at at different stages in the process. And we have to have really important conversations with people about their willingness. Yeah. And I suppose with with your level of experience, there's going to be um, part of the process will be an almost psychoanalysis of the the client, the owner, (laughs) to say, are you ready for this? Is this the right time? And uh, are you willing to to come on this journey with with your staff? Because if they're not, does the whole thing become pointless or can you just unpack the staff? Because if the head of the company is not, not on board, it's not really going to work, is it? Oh, look, I think the, the actual process of people being heard and having even a one-on-one session and being able to communicate how they feel and then know that that is communicated in general themes to the owner is uh, quite a healing thing in itself. So there is still positive 
that there is it's a positive thing to be engaging and and saying I value my staff enough to even do this process but if we want to make it a really effective process that creates that sustained change it there has to be that ongoing communication and commitment and review of the actions and seeing where everyone is is at Mm. so I mean there's I can talk a bit more about the practical approach of how that works but so much is around uh being being open and willing to let go of some of the things that kind of we all hold on around you know resentment and anger and frustration and say okay we're all on this together let's let's do better so we can work better and be happier and so much of what we do as a business is process driven even from the way that we communicate with our staff like you think of all the different communication methods you've got slack you've got online you've got zoom calls now you've got actually face to face you've got emails and we get into a rut with the way that we communicate as well so one of the things you're trying to break, I guess, to start over is the way that a business processes, has, has their processes in place, their procedures, because that in itself is a form of communication. Am I right? Yeah, look, I think all of that is very important. And there's, there's a whole range of almost like segments to, to how a business can work most productively. The communication side is often the bit that lets down a business. Even some things like as simple as are you checking in with your staff regularly, seeing how they are, seeing how they're managing particular challenges? If there's, you know, a particular workload has increased, COVID, whatever it is, how are you doing? How are things for you? But if you're checking in in a negative way, if you're kind of being one of those people that's demanding KPIs are achieved or you've got to have these tasks done and that's all we're going to talk about is the tasks. When you say checking in, what do you mean by that? So checking in on a personal level that demonstrates the values around, you know, I see you, I value you, I care, and I want to know how you're doing, and I want to know what I can help you Mm. with if you are struggling. Mm. So it's a very much on a personal level, and the number of times I have been... Uh, I've listened to people that I'm coaching or in, in workshops or programs that we're running, and they say, he or she didn't check in with me. I came back to work after we'd had this issue and two days on, they still haven't checked in with me. It's such a simple thing mm. and it's not being done as, as one example. So it sounds to me like that in the, in the experiences that you've had, that's a fairly fundamental flaw. So if, if we as small business owners can even just look at that, especially in these times, then that's one thing that we can find to resolve tensions and issues before they even become that bad. Yes, communication, connection, support, they're all missing links in business uh, very, very often. And even bringing in a weekly or even monthly check-in where you say, how are you doing? What's, how, what's, the, what's the month been like for you? What's the week been like for you? What do you need from me? What could I do to support you better? Mm. Those kind of um, moments make that difference between someone feeling valued or not cared for. And generally staff feel less valued rather than more mm. and it doesn't, it, it, it impacts on motiva- motivation and performance. And questions like <clears throat> how many hours are you doing at the moment? Because if, if people are working from home, you're just not going to know that. Or, um, you know, how's, not, not so much how much how's thing going in the family life because you may not have that sort of relationship, but practical things. What sort of training would you like to do? You know, do you need some time off to, um, rather than achieving processes, do you need some time off to just 
gather your thoughts and, and um, get some back-end admin stuff done? Do you need that time allocated? I think even just by having those conversations, people would feel more, a bit more supported as well. We're going to take a quick break. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters. And when we return after this short break, I want to talk to more to Tulsi Van Graff, Van de Graff a little bit more about um, the actual process of resolving conflict when it becomes quite negative. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. This episode of Small Biz Matters is proudly sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office. Led by Kate Carnell since its establishment only four years ago, Aspifio has provided education, advocacy and support, including free assistance if a small business is involved in a dispute. The office also provides assistance for disputes that fall under the franchising, dairy, horticultural and oil industry codes. Kate Carnell, as an independent advocate for small business owners, has the legislative power to influence our nation's lawmakers, ensuring legislation and regulations are put in place to help small businesses grow and in these times, survive. Small businesses are the engine room of the economy and it's Aspifio's role to do all they can to ensure they have the freedom to innovate, employ and thrive well into the future. So today we're talking to Tulsi Van de Graaff, who is uh, one of our experts in terms of conflict resolution. It's very difficult to avoid conflict when you're running a small business, simply because we're human and we're dealing with humans. Um, and often that can be quite detrimental to the growth of your business, or it can even stifle your business altogether and destroy it. And we were talking before the break about how to recognise when there's issues within your team or within yourself, or maybe within one staff member that need to be resolved. Tulsi, I wanted to ask you about the process. Um, once you've sat everybody down and you've done a little bit of an unpack and tried to figure out what it is, the, where the problem lies, including the business owner, what's the process from that point forward to bring everything to the table and find a resolution? So it, I think there, there is a particular process, but also just uh, being aware that every business is different too. But overall... When we have a look at it from start to finish, it looks like, as, as I said earlier, finding out everyone's perspective, including the business owners. Then it's about summarising to everybody what the key themes are. And that's really important because people need to feel heard and that their thoughts and feelings are important. Once we've uh, highlighted that to everybody, then it's really... The next step is resetting values and expectations. Often what can happen is that performance and behaviour issues can occur in a business but they're not addressed and they're left to kind of uh, un almost undermine other relationships. Mm. So before we get into, say, this idea of trying to rebuild a team or, or an organisation, we really need to reset values and expectations. And one of the activities that we do, which is really simple in some ways but so powerful, is one where we look at what we don't want and what we do want, and it's in the form of above and below the line mm. activity. And so it's a, it's actually possible... Business owners can do it as well. We, when we do a whole program with an organisation, we will facilitate that activity. But what it is is uh, asking the entire team, what do you want from each other as far as your interactions go and what don't you want? And it was interesting because... Uh, 
at an event re- uh, a little while back, uh, a woman came up to me and she said she tried that out after attending one of our, our other sessions. And she was the owner of a 30-person gym. And the uh, staff were really not uh, doing very well with each other. They were being rude and irritable and unhelpful. And even with the customers or clients, they weren't looking after them. And she said she, she said it was almost like a magic button when she did that activity, that once they all contributed to what they wanted, she didn't even ask them to agree to it and everything shifted. Do you do it in a circle? I'm just envisaging one big round table with everyone sitting in a circle. How do you do it? Yeah, so you're, just, you're basically in a room with flip chart paper and you're writing it up and getting everyone to contribute, potentially doing some small group work first so everyone has a chance to talk about what is most important to them. So it's a really, it's about taking stock. And so after that uh, sort of activity that we do is really thinking about what are some of the other challenges that we've identified that need some work. So there's a whole bunch of things that, that we can look at. Often it's around all the positive things that might have been lacking. For example, praise is a big one that is missing in so many organisations. And there's a whole way of doing praise that's like a formula. There are like four different steps. I know, exactly, I know. I see your shocked face. Really? We can do a half day just on praise alone, teaching people how to praise. So a little thumbs up emoji, cheers, is not sufficient. It's That's a lovely thing <laughs> in addition to some good praise and appreciation. So there's, there's a, a, a bunch of things that are really positive and important that motivate your people like praise and appreciation but then there are some also some incredibly important aspects around calling out the behaviors that we don't want to see and having a group responsibility around let's keep each other above the line so we can even say to people we we have to give words so we do a lot of work around what are the communication skills you need now moving forward to create that really positive team experience and one of them is is saying things like hey that's a bit below the line or that felt a bit below the line to me and then people go oh oh yeah oh, sorry, I didn't mean that. And I've, I've seen that in action a number of times in work that we've done and it, it changes the dynamic in the team. I do like that, uh, that analogy of, of above the line, below the line, because below the line, it's, um, well, it's got some other connotations to it as well, I suppose. Because when you mentioned the gym, I was thinking, gosh, what was it that those people were saying was unacceptable because you're in a physical environment? Um, do, does that come out as well in terms of the bullying aspect, the, uh, the sexual harassment, the, the racial harassment? Does that come out during that initial discussion of what people are happy to put up with and not and what they what they're not happy to put up with yes i mean that's in in a number of uh, with a number of clients of ours those kind of concerns have been raised uh and you know at, at different times it, it can be shocking what comes out of of the work and what does need to be addressed one of the challenges is that people often don't know how to address things, so what they do is do nothing. It almost We, we can, as, as human beings, we can tend to feel almost immobilised when it's too overwhelming. Mm. So that is part of what, what needs to be addressed and, and evaluated, and, and sometimes there's very important work that needs to happen to address those particular issues too. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. You know, As you mentioned, the whole unpacking process, there is the... 
initial discussion with people one-on-one to find out, you know, when they're in a safe environment that they feel comfortable, they can really talk about what the major problems are. But then as a group, you talk about what's what everyone's happy to put up with, what everyone wants and what everyone's not happy to put up with. But when those really um, dangerous issues come up, at what point... Um, do you take things to a different level where you start to examine whether or not this is behaviour which is um, someone can be fired or for which it could be criminal? Um, at what point do you recognise that and move it to a, a completely different scenario altogether? Yeah, so, I mean, this is uh, one of the big issues for businesses around the people side of things is that, you know, the implications, there can be quite a lot of risk involved. And if businesses aren't taking the appropriate action, it, it can have huge ramifications. You know. So we, uh, what we would look at is we would have a whole sort of process and a program around that's focused on creating a really positive and productive workplace and team culture. That's the, the real focus there. But then on the side, we may come across complaints or allegations that are of a more serious nature and it's almost like what we would be doing is we would be saying to the business owner there are some significant concerns that need investigation mm. and, and managing separate from what we are doing with you yeah so there are a whole range of you know, legal obligations requirements around notifying particular you know safety and other concerns and then having them deal, dealt with and I'll just I'll just throw myself out here I had a, an, an issue about 15 years ago where I was working as an office manager and we had a bully in the office and I was quite severely bullied by this by this woman um, who in the end turned out had personal issues and years later we were able to resolve it but I went to work feeling sick and it was so badly handled by the business what they did is they, they brought in the business owner's wife's father so the business owner's father-in-law who at some point during his career was a coach who came in and chatted to us about bullying in the workplace. And it was so useless because <laughs> the woman actually turned around and went, oh, this sounds like me. Everyone's going, yeah, that's why we're here. And I, she didn't have that EQ to realise that she was the issue and none of us were willing to speak up. There was certainly no discussion about above the line, below the line, and it was so badly handled, so badly handled. And, and that's the challenge. I've seen this numerous times and we uh, don't like, this is not what we want to do in, in a business like ours, is be called in to run a workshop or a, uh, a session that's targeted at one person and yet the whole group's brought in. And I've seen this in action where it's like, oh, we would like a communication and conflict resolution workshop and afterwards you actually find out that it was meant for one person who hasn't received appropriate feedback and hasn't had their behaviour dealt with. So that's a really important one and uh, and that's what we, we really work with organisations to say, you know what, if you have someone who is not performing appropriately or is engaging in uh, inappropriate behaviours that could be considered bullying, you need to address that directly. Because it could, it might not be a whole team issue. Everyone else could be just fine until that person arrived and then the toxicity came in and that's the element. So I guess one of the things wrapping, going back to what you were saying at the beginning, you need to analyse whether or not this is an HR issue that you can handle quite simply by, you know, by, by reprimanding this one person and everybody else is fine. Or you're looking at conflict resolution on a much bigger scale where someone would engage 
with people like yourselves because you need to unpack the whole team and you're risking the entire business falling over as a result. Yeah, and I think often it's a little bit of both. So there's probably uh, one or two people who are more challenging in some way. Uh, so it's it is a there there is a bigger picture. Uh, I mean we we're often called uh, you know HR specialist HR consultants because we'll come in and try and and, and work with the larger it's issues. It's just because it's used the word human. Yes, that's the thing. I think I think what you do is a lot different, and I'm I'm, I'm seeing that there's. There's times when you need that HR consultant come in. There's times when you just need a lawyer to come in and fix your contracts. And then there's a time when you've got like some serious conflict and, and you can't because realistically as a small business, you can't just go, oh, just get rid of all my staff and start again. It's just yeah. not going to work. No, and getting back to your issue around the, the person in inverted commas that was a bully, uh, you, can't, you also can't do a mediation session between someone who is actually bullying another person and intimidating them and calling causing them harm, there needs to be other processes and other approaches to that. Yeah, that's the other useless thing that this particular boss did is that he sat both of us down and I was by that stage, because we've been going on for months, um, utterly terrified. And I'm sure the people who are listening regularly to my program go, what, you, bully? That's insane. But it's true because it just, it's so systematic. And to sit both of us down, um, all that did, in fact, was make her realise what she'd been doing and she quit. Now, that's not helpful for the business because she was very good at her job. She just needed to be managed better and the relationship needed to be managed better. So I think it's very interesting to see the difference between that issue versus a whole team culture, which someone like yourself is going to fix. So we're talking about, you know, those of you who are just joining us, by the way, we're talking to Tulsi van der Graaf, who is explaining to us what conflict resolution can look like and the steps that you can go through as a business owner to really resolve this as a team. So we were speaking about, you know, the initial initial chat, um, talking to each individual staff member, and then you've got the above the line, below the line conversation, which is great. So now that you've got all the issues down on butcher paper in pretty colours, what do you do to start resolving those? Is it is it a matter of getting people in the room at the same time and fixing that, or is it just saying to the business owner, here's the problems and here's how we think you could fix it? What's the step after that? One of the important things with this is really guiding people through a, a very much a step-by-step process because some things that we assume will be done are often not done. For example, once things have come out into the open and people have expressed that they're challenged by dynamics in the team or what's happened, they feel hurt, they've, they've shared some of their sort of deeper feelings and thoughts about the issues, they really need to see that further action is going to be taken and they need to really feel supported and cared for. And often uh, leaders or owners are not necessarily as skilled as they could be in doing relatively simple check-ins and follow-ups. So a bit of support around what that looks like and the language used is really important. Uh, There's also a really important thing around not just saying, oh, well, we've done that team session, we've set the expectations, that is it. So 
the next part is really developing important, I mean, this is throughout, but important feedback skills around how do you provide feedback to your staff? And that's through, we, we, there's a, a number of, of different kinds of conversations, including, as I mentioned, praise, but there's also corrective conversations where you actually indicate to people the reason, what, what you're seeing that is... Um, happening, why it's not okay, the gap between what's expected and not. Hmm. And also a, a range of other conversations, including like what's okay and not okay, and bringing that up. So for example, in in meetings, if often meetings are the site of quite a lot of conflict, people right. interact in a dismissive, tetchy way, get frustrated, storm out, turn now it's turn the video off and go on mute, as I've been hearing a bit. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it's actually saying, look, you know, it's okay to feel angry. It's not okay to roll your eyes and storm off. It's okay to feel frustrated about the process that we're going through. It's not okay to yell and refuse to engage with the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's very much clear communication about what's okay and not okay, but making sure that everyone's kept accountable and the business is kept accountable around the kind of communication and conversations that need to be had so in the, like in the situation that you mentioned you talked about months had passed now what we have to be doing is addressing issues of behavior and performance immediately and it doesn't have to be all harsh it can be like a, a gentle a gentle start of a conversation can be look I've noticed you, you you don't seem as focused as as you have been and you don't seem as happy as you've been um, and it's coming out a little bit in in sort of negativity in the team are you okay what's you know what's happening is there anything I can do to support you mm. is still calling out those behaviors but in a gentle way with empathy and then there are more serious significant conversations we have to have once we've had you know, a number of conversations and nothing has changed. But there's a whole process around having those conversations so that people feel safe and teams aren't affected by what I call like a drop of poison, which is where you let behaviours and performance issues lie. Yeah, and then they just work their way down through the system and can de destroy a lot of relationships, I yes. suppose. So I like that pr uh, process. And, and I think that's what makes, um, I'm sure, your clients, but... In listening to you, that's what makes me feel quite comfortable is the fact that we are such process-driven creatures in a lot of ways as, as small business owners because we have to wear all those hats. But knowing that there is a process out there that can fix this without having to feel like, oh, it's all on me. I've got to have these awkward conversations with my staff. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what language to use. I don't even know where to take them. Do we go to a cafe? Do we go to my office? So there's a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of things there that it seem to be resolved by having a very simple and straightforward process. So lastly, um, when you've gone through this process of, of conflict resolution, how frequently do you check in with that team to make sure um, it makes sure that it's working? Well, in, in an ideal situation, this process, which is really what we want, is we want the owner, the leader to at the throughout this process to develop confidence and skills so that they can be leading this and we don't have to be the ones that maintain it overall because if they can't maintain it, then there's going to be challenges mm. uh, and people will feel disappointed and let down. So it's there's such a, uh, I guess there's, there's a focus on giving people the, the right skills and, and awareness as well. And, and giving that to the team, to the organisation overall. So there's a different approach to things. In an ideal world, 
they the the leader or owner would check in regularly but potentially you know we we could come back and do uh maybe a half day team session from time to time one organization that's really committed to making a change that I'm that we're working with at the moment uh the the person there, he's, he's so committed to making that change that we're already having three one-on-one check-ins over a number of months with all the staff to see how the different strategies and programs that we're doing, how, that's, how that is affecting them, what difference it's making and where we need to go. And so when someone's really committed, a leader's really committed, it, it can make such a difference and people... Uh, teams can go, wow, like we have struggled for 10 years. Now we have someone who is really looking after us and wants to do better. Mm. So I think that the, the key the key issue or principle is not leaving things, checking in, working out the best way to do that and having the conversations uh, on a more regular basis. Fantastic. Look, thank you so much for joining us today here on Small Biz Matters. Um, thank you for taking us through the entire process from woe to go and the way that you deal with having staff members who may be having individual issues, but also how to deal with an entire team. And I think that's what's been really interesting is to see those comparisons because, of course, small business comes in many forms. Um, so tell us, Tulsi, how can people find out more about what it is that you do um, and find out more about you? Well, they can go to our website, which, funnily enough, is bravepeoplesolutions.com.au. They can also find me on LinkedIn as well, and we can we can have a chat with people. They can send us an email. And, uh, you know, there's... For me, what's so important is that sometimes people feel like all is lost. And I've had, I've had people say, if you don't come and fix this... We'll, this, we have to sell this business. We can't do this anymore. But there is hope and it's possible. And sometimes it's quite small things that can make a huge difference for people. And that's what excites me and inspires me in the work. Fantastic. If you've missed any of today's program, you can, of course, catch up via smallbizmatters.com.au where there are over 185 podcasts just like this one to listen to, to at your leisure. And you can download us on Spotify or LinkedIn, not LinkedIn, Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your small business education podcasts. Give us a little bit of a thumbs up and a rating that really helps us as well you've been listening to alexi boyd here on small biz matters we'll be back next week with another fantastic guest enjoy your week and thanks for listening this week's episode was proudly broadcast from triple h studios in sydney australia and sponsored by the office of the australian small business and family enterprise ombudsman if you've enjoyed listening go ahead and give us some thank you stars on your podcasting platform it would be much appreciated Then head to the Small Biz Matters website where you can listen to over 170 episodes, read more about our speakers and find out how to become a media partner. See you all next time.